Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, let me encourage you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Joy to the World is my all-time favorite Christmas song. And I'm not alone. In the 20th century, Joy to the World was the most celebrated of all the Christmas songs. I want you to listen to the four verses again, what it says. And as I read these words, focus on what it says about Jesus. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rock hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, for as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace, and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness, and wonders of his love. Christmas wouldn't seem like Christmas to me without singing that song. But what you probably didn't know is that when Isaac Watts wrote that song in 1719, he wasn't writing it to celebrate the birth of Christ. He was writing that song based on Psalm 98 to celebrate the triumphant return of Christ. And as you read the words to that song, you discover that so much of that that he is singing about hasn't yet happened. But it is going to happen when Jesus comes again. Amen? But I think as we gather together, the words of this song are certainly appropriate at Christmas. Because Jesus did bring joy to the world. Matthew shared that with us in his gospel. And Luke shared that with us in his gospel. But I believe the greatest passage that that speaks to us about the joy that we can have. and, And why that joy happens is found in Luke chapter 2. And so I want us to read this passage beginning in verse 8. You know the passage is, is from one of the most well-known Christmas stories. Listen to what it says beginning in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, now the key verse for this song 
joy to the world is verse 10. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Because this Christmas song is all about good news of great joy. Now that, that word good news that we see in verse 10 is the Greek word euangelizo, which, which is translated gospel in other places. But what I've discovered today is there's a lot of confusion when it comes to the gospel. Many people believe that the gospel will, will spoil their fun. They have this idea that the gospel will destroy the plans that they have for their life. But you see, the truth is, it is our enemy, the thief, that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The gospel actually brings life to us. The gospel brings abundant life, a full life to us. You see, the gospel is the good news that brings great joy. Now, the word for joy is the Greek word kara, and it comes from the same root word as charis, which in Greek is the word for grace. And what you need to understand this morning is nothing can bring joy to your life like experiencing the grace of God. There are many that, that think that the things that we can buy with our money, when we, when we celebrate Christmas and we gather around the tree and we, we see the presents wrapped there, there are many people that have this idea that there is something under that tree that is wrapped that is going to bring them joy. And yet you and I both know from experience that there is nothing that is wrapped under that tree or there is nothing that we can ever buy with money that will ever bring us lasting joy. The only thing that can ever really do that is experiencing the grace of God. And so Kara, lasting joy, and Karis, God's grace, go together. We really experience joy when we experience God's grace. Now notice what it, it says here. It says that the gospel, the good news, brings great joy. It doesn't just bring kara, joy. It brings mega kara, great joy. Now that Greek word mega means what you would think that it means. It means large. It means huge. It means extraordinary. It is a superlative of the greatest degree. And so what the gospel is telling us is this. The gospel can bring you the greatest joy that you will ever experience in life. Now here's what I know. I know that there are some of us that, that gather at this Christmas season and we're filled with fear, we're filled with despair, and it could be because of a, a job, it could be because of a relationship, it could be because of a health issue, it, it could be because of the death of someone we love. It could be a host of things that, that bring this grief and this despair and this heartache to our life. And yet in the midst of all of the hurt and the pain of life, the angel brings this message that the gospel is good news of great joy. In other words, 
What God is saying is, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your heartache, my grace can overwhelm your life with joy. And so as we unwrap this good news of great joy, I want us to answer three important questions this morning. First, who is the good news for? Now look at verse 10 again. And notice what it says. It says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now say that word with me, all. All. Let's say it again. All. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. Who is the good news for? All the people. Who is the good news for? It is for all the people. The good news isn't for some people. The good news isn't for a few people. The good news isn't for a select group of people. The good news is for all people. It is good news for all people. Like Isaac Watts wrote, it is joy to the world. You see, the good news is for everyone, regardless of our our nation of origin. Jesus brings good news. Regardless of our ethnic background, Jesus brings good news. Praise God, regardless of our sinful past, Jesus brings good news. You see, Jesus brings good news to everyone. So if you think the gospel isn't for you, that you were too bad or or you were too far gone, I've got some good news for you. The gospel is for you because Jesus loves you and he wants to save you. Now there's another truth we see here. You see, the good news isn't good news until it's heard. Would you agree? Good news isn't good news until someone shares it with us. That's what the Apostle Paul said. If you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, beginning beginning in verse 10, or excuse me, verse 13. Paul says this, he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then Paul goes into this this kind of question and answer with himself. He says, how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them or telling them? And how can they preach or tell unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so I've got a question for you. As we enter into this Christmas season, have you discovered the good news that brings great joy? And if you have discovered that good news that brings great joy, are you sharing the good news? That's why we take up a special missions offering at Christmas time. And, and we encourage you to give over and above your tithes to help us accomplish missions all around the world. That's why we have adopted people groups and we are working to send missionaries there. 
That's why we are working with church planners to plant churches around North America. And that's why in 2017, we're focusing on this theme, multiply. Because we really do believe that God wants each and every one of us to leave a spiritual legacy here on this earth. So who is the good news for? The good news is for everyone. Everyone deserves to hear the good news. But people are never going to know there's good news unless you and I share the good news. So the first question, who is the good news for? It's for everyone. Here's the second question. What is the good news? What is this good news of of great joy? Well, look at verse 11 again. It says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now, don't miss what the angel said. The angel said the baby that was born in that manger is the Savior, the Christ, the Lord. And yet it seems like some of us never get Jesus out of the manger. We love Jesus in the manger. Kind of like Ricky Bobby. Do any of you remember Ricky Bobby? Talladega Night? Summer's ready. Come on, y'all. Been slaving over this for hours. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, or TR, as we call them. And, of course, my red-hot smoking wife, Carly, who is a stone-cold fox. Mm. Also want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Naughton Jr., who's got my back no matter what. Shake and bake. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And It smells terrible, and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, we- um, you know, sweetie... Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. (laughs) And that's how some of us are. We never get beyond the baby Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. We need to celebrate the baby Jesus. But we celebrate the baby Jesus because that baby Jesus grew up and became a man. And he lived a perfect life. And he died on a cross for the sins of all mankind. And he didn't just die. He defeated sin and death by being resurrected from the grave. Here's what I believe. I believe the reason that so many of us like to celebrate the baby Jesus is because we think that we can control a baby. A baby will do what we want them to do. But understand, Jesus isn't a baby. The angel said that this baby who was born in a manger is the Savior, the Christ, the Lord. And you see, that is the good news that brings great joy. The good news is we have a Savior, we have a Christ, and we have a Lord. 
Now let's unpack those for just a moment. First of all, we have a Savior who will save us and forgive our sins. Do you remember what what the angel said to Joseph? He said, you will give him the name Jesus because he will do what? He will save his people from their sin. Later on, when Jesus became a man, he said, the Son of Man comes to seek and to save the lost. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world, but to save it. Later on, John wrote this. He said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. And the apostle Paul said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to save sinners. And Paul went on to say, of which I am the chief. And I got to tell you. When you experience the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, you, like Paul, will say, God, I am the chief of sinners, and I need saving. The truth of the matter is, each and every one of us need a Savior. Regardless of where we were born, regardless of how we were raised, regardless of how we've lived, we all need a Savior, and the reason is because sin Each and every one of us has been infected with a disease called sin that results in us rebelling against our creator. Every one of us do. We rebel against the one who makes us. And that sin results in death, physical death, spiritual death, and eternal life. And the only cure, the only cure is a savior. Someone who will take our sins upon themselves. You see, we aren't saved from hell. And so many people think that today. They hear this this hell and and brimstone message and, and they go, I don't want that. And who would want that? And they pray a prayer because they they say, I don't want to go to hell. And yet Jesus didn't come to save us from hell. Hell is a byproduct of our sin. Jesus came to save us from our sin. And I've got to be honest with you. There are many today who come to church each and every Sunday that still have no desire to be saved from their sin. And yet Jesus is a Savior who saves us from our sin. But he is not only a Savior who will save us, he is a Christ who will set us free from whatever enslaves us. Christ was was the title of the Messiah that they were looking for, the one who was coming. And they thought, the Jews thought, that, that when the Savior would come, the Messiah would come, the Christ would come, He would set them free from the the nations that were keeping them in bondage, that were keeping them enslaved. They didn't realize that when the Christ came, he would set them free. But he wasn't setting them free ultimately from a political power. He was setting them free from the power of sin and death. You see, the only way that you and I can ever be set free from sin is through Jesus. 
Jesus not only forgives us for our sin, Jesus sets us free from our sin. And the only way that you and I can ever be set free from the sins that bind us is Jesus. Today in our, our world, we have so many different support groups. We have support groups for every single problem that you can imagine. We have Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. We've got Overeaters Anonymous and Gamblers Anonymous. We've got Sex Addicts Anonymous. I mean, if you've got a problem, there is an anonymous group that you can go to. And all of these groups are good, don't get me wrong, They provide support. They provide encouragement. But here's what you need to understand. Those groups can never set you free from the sins that bind you. AA even says this. AA says once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Now can I tell you something? AA is wrong. Because once you're an alcoholic... You don't have to always be an alcoholic. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen? Jesus Christ can set you free. And there are some of you here today. And you are struggling with these hurts and these habits and these hang-ups. And you're living in misery. You're living in bondage. Because that's what, that, that's what slavery does. Slavery creates bondage and it's a burden. And, and there's some of you that, that have this bondage in your life. And you're going, oh wretched man that I am. Who will ever set me free? And Jesus is here with his arms spread wide. And he says, I can set you free. Jesus came to set us free. He didn't save you and forgive you for you to live in slavery for the rest of your earthly life. We can be filled with his spirit, his indwelling presence. And when we are, we can be set free. There's an old English hymn that goes like this. Since Christ, my soul from sin set free... This life has been a joy to me. Let me say that again. Since Christ, my soul from sin set free, this life has been a joy to me. Oh, let's be honest. There are some of you here this morning who you've prayed that prayer and you meant it with all your heart. I mean, you really did repent. You said, I I, I don't want to be under the slavery of sin anymore and and you trusted Jesus to save you, and as best you knew how, you gave him your life, and yet you're still living in bondage. You don't have to. There's hope. There's freedom. That Jesus that was born in a manger isn't only our Savior. He is our Christ who can set us free. So let him deliver you. So the good news is we have a Savior. We have a Christ. And then finally we have a Lord. A Lord who sits on the throne. And this is the one we forget most often. You see, Jesus didn't come just to save us from our sin. Jesus came to take 
over our life. Did you hear me? Jesus didn't come just to save us from sin. Jesus came to take over our life. And, and somehow, someway, in our day and age, we seem to forget that submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ is part of the good news. There is no salvation apart from the Lordship of Christ. So many well-meaning people share this testimony. Well, I accepted Jesus as my Savior when I was six or seven or eight years old. But I, I, I really didn't accept him as my Lord until, and then we fill in the blank there. And, and I'm here to tell you that the Bible nowhere says that we can accept one part of Jesus and reject another part of Jesus. We can't do that. When we're saved, we're giving all that we know of ourselves to all that we know of Jesus. And we don't know everything about ourselves, and we certainly don't know everything about Jesus, but, but we're giving everything that we know of ourselves to everything that we know of Jesus. That's why the Apostle Paul said, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Did you get that? It's not just believing, it's confessing. And it's confessing what? It's confessing that Jesus is now my Lord. There's coming a day when, when every king and every president and every ruler and every dictator will bow before Jesus and will confess him as Lord. The Bible makes that clear. But the question is, are we going to confess him as Lord here and now so that we can be saved? And why wouldn't we want to? I mean, if Jesus is our creator, and he is, then don't you think that Jesus would know what is best for us? I mean, if he is the one who put us together, he is the one who, who knit our parts together in our mother's womb. If he is the one who made us. Then wouldn't you think that he knows what is best for us. Doesn't that make sense? And so why wouldn't we want to surrender to the one who made us. Who created us. And has our best interest at heart. You see we've never experienced the good news. That brings great joy. Until we know Jesus as Savior. We know him as the Christ. And we know him as Lord. So what is the good news? The good news is we have a Savior who will forgive our sins. We have a Christ who will set us free from whatever enslaves us. Ensnares us. And we have a Lord who desires our very best. And will guide and direct our life. If we will submit to him. That's the good news. Who is the good news for? It's for everyone. What is the good news? We have a savior who is the Christ. Who is the Lord. But there's one final question. And that is what do I do with the good news? Well first of all. We need to receive it. You see the shepherds didn't just hear the message. From the angels and then continue their life. 
This news changed everything. It was transformational. So they acted on it. They went to Bethlehem to see this newborn king. Now, not everyone did. Not everyone in Bethlehem and the surrounding area went to that stable and worshipped that baby in that manger. The truth is, only a few people did. Only a few people responded to the message. Here's what I know. We will never experience the good news until we receive the good news ourselves. In John's gospel it says, but as many as receive him, choose him. He gives the right to become the sons of God to all those who believe on his name. You see, we can choose to doubt the message, ignore the message, debate the message, reject the message, or we can receive it. It's up to us. And so as we sit here on this, on this Sunday before Christmas Day, it's up to us what we will do with the Christmas message. The shepherds received it. But I want you to notice something. When they received it, it did change everything. They became a witness. Notice verse 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word. I mean, when they discovered that this baby that was born in this manger was the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, they wanted everyone they could tell to know this message. And shouldn't we? I mean, suppose. Just suppose you were walking in the woods one day, and you're not like some of you, young and spry. You're like me. You're getting a little older. Got your aches and your pains and your hurts. And you're walking there through the woods one day and you're not paying attention and all of a sudden you fall and you fall right into a pool of water. And when you get up out of that pool of water, you realize that you feel so much better. You've discovered the fountain of youth. And you look in the mirror and you look 20 years younger. And your knees aren't hurting, your shoulders aren't hurting, your hips aren't hurting. You may have had a disease and you no longer have that disease. And you start shaking around and you go, whoa, this is incredible. I got to tell people. And so you would go home and you would tell your husband or your wife or your parents or your kids, you won't believe what I found. Come and check it out. You'd be taking them in their wheelchair. You'd be taking them in their walker. You'd be getting them there and you would be throwing them in. Because you want them to experience that fountain of youth that you've experienced. Why? Because it has been transformational. You look better. You feel better. You're going to live forever. Now, if you fell into that fountain of youth and you experienced those results and you decided, I'm not going to tell anybody about this. Or you said, man, <laughs> I can make a killing here. If you looked at it that way, what would we call you? What would we call you? Huh? Huh? Greedy, 
selfish, self-centered, right? Wouldn't we say that? I mean, at the very least, at the very least, we would want to share with our family. We'd want to share with our closest friends. We would want them to get a dose, wouldn't we? I mean, I hope so. I mean, I hope if you fall into that pool of water, you're going to tell me. I I, I want a little dose of it too. And so why wouldn't we, if we've experienced the transformational good news that the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, has come to the earth, why wouldn't we share that with other people? We've got to. And I'm like you. Hear me. I'm like you. I struggle with it. Hardly a day goes by that I don't ask myself, who could I have shared with that I didn't? And so hear me. I'm not, I'm not up here telling you what you need to do. I'm up here looking in the mirror, realizing that I need to be sharing this good news with people much more than I am because it is transformational. That's what the shepherds did. They became witnesses. And notice, they became worshipers. The Bible says that they returned glorifying and praising God. When they discovered who Jesus was, they could not but worship him. It was natural. It was the automatic response. Someone once said this. They said, it seems like today we worship our work. We work at our play and we play at our worship. And I think that's true for many of us. I mean, when we come together and we, we sit and we watch people perform and yet we aren't engaged ourselves. When we come on a Sunday and we, we think, I've done my worship for the week and we haven't realized that worship is a daily response to God. It's not just something we do on on Sunday. It's something we do every single day. Their lives were turned upside down. When they received the good news and they experienced it for themselves, everything changed. I imagine from that point on as those shepherds continued to work together and continued to tend their flocks because there's no indication that that anything ever changed in regard to their livelihood. But I imagine that they watched at a distance that young boy grow up. I imagine as they gathered together, they would always talk about, remember that night? Remember when the angel came to us and and told us about Jesus? And remember when we went to Bethlehem and Remember how it changed our life forever? And I don't know. But I imagine those shepherds that were still alive when Jesus began his public ministry. I imagine they were some of the very first that were there. 
And even though we don't have their names as being one of the 12, I imagine that those that were alive, I imagine they became disciples. They started following Jesus because, because that first Christmas night, everything changed for them. And my prayer for you is that the baby that was born on that first Christmas night will change everything for you. And so as we wrap this up, I've got three questions. Do you know him as your Savior? Have you experienced the forgiveness of your sins? Do you know him as the Christ? Has he or is he setting you free from the power of sin in your life, from the habits, the hurts, the hang-ups that are bringing you misery and bondage? And is he your Lord? Have you surrendered your life to him? I want you to bow your head with me, and I want you to close your eyes, and with your head bowed and with your eyes closed. If you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus in that way. You've never experienced firsthand the reality that there is joy to the world because the Lord has come. Then I want to encourage you right now to humble yourself before him. Acknowledge your need of him and accept him as your savior. Lean on him as your Christ and submit to him, surrender to him as your Lord. That's what you want to do this morning. You can pray this prayer with a sincere heart to him. Dear God, I come to you this morning knowing that I need you. I know I am a sinner My sin is controlling my life. I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the grave defeating sin and death. And right here, right now, I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you through the power of your spirit to set me free. I'm giving my life to you. Take control. From this moment on, Jesus, I want to live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me. Thank you for saving me. 